Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast. We have a fan-flippantastic episode for you today. I can't wait to get into it. But before I do, I just got to let you know what's up with the Uncharted April Conference. April is our marketing and strategy conference. We opened up registration just to the members last week. And we had over 50 people registered the first day. We've only got 140 spots. We're up, uh, we're more than half full now. Spots that we have left will open up to the public next week. So November 21st, that's Thursday, November 21st, we will open up any remaining spots to the public. And so get ready if you want to jump in and come and see what Uncharted is all about. That is your chance. So don't miss this wonderful opportunity. We'd love to see you there. If you got any questions about Uncharted, head over to unchartedvet.com and take a look at the April conference. We are laying in presenters and speakers. I'll be there. Stephanie Goss will be there. We have got um, one of my favorite people. She's a marketing guru, a consultant, a teacher from outside of our industry. Uh, Vicki Hammond, she's with a company called Brains on Fire. She's going to be teaching and lecturing on marketing. We've got Adam Little. We've got Bill Schroeder. We've got Sinani uh, Ratnayaka, we have got uh, Phil Zelsman, and the list just keeps expanding. So it is going to be a fantastic time. Do not miss it. I'd love to see you in April. And with that, let's get into this episode. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, practice management diva Stephanie. Why clients great till they gotta be great goss? (laughs) Oh, God. Hi, Andy. How's it going? Hi. It's going okay. It's going okay. Oh, man. That's fantastic. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. People are like, was he serious about the Lizzo thing? Yes, I was. (laughs) Yes, I was. Yes, you were. I would leave my family to go. (laughs) Hang out with Lizzo? I would. Did you uh did you see our our friend Kelsey Beth Carpenter's Lizzo video? I you know I did see it and she she's is so gifted and so talented. She totally she totally is. I love it. I I always I always love Vet Tech Week because I always know that Kelsey is going to elevate the game in some way and she's going to come up with some new vet med songwriting um genius and and gift us with it and in, in uh, Vet Tech Week. So yeah, it just cracked me up when I was like, "Oh, look, it's Lizzo." <laughs> I thought you yeah. would. I thought you would appreciate that. <laughs> oh, totally. You know, if if vet medicine is a jungle, then Kelsey Beth Carpenter is like this unicorn in the jungle that you get. You catch a glimpse of her every now and then, and go and like, and then you go, "Magic is real." <laughs> that that's that's how I feel about Kelsey. Oh my god, that is such an appropriate description. I absolutely love that. Well, magic the, is magic is real. <laughs> magic is real. She wouldn't be a unicorn. She'd be a unicorn giraffe <laughs> because that's what she loves. She's a giraffe girl. Oh my god, I love it. Anyways, uh, so what what do we got? I think this is a really good one we've got today. Oh man, yeah, we've got it. We've got a good one. So essentially, so we get we get emails. As usual, we get emails. If you have a question you would like me and Steph to tackle, just shoot it over to us at podcast at unchartedvet.com, and we will do our best. So this is an email that came in, and it says, Earlier this week, my boss, the owner of the practice, was verbally abused over the phone by a client. 
The client was yelling at her, calling her inept, the staff incompetent, and threatened to make her lose thousands of dollars. She reached out, uh, I guess our owner reached out to the client via phone uh, when they left a poor review on social media. And first the client had responded with an email that quite honestly was blackmailing her. Uh, she's been with the practice for over 30 years. Obviously, there's more that we can unpack. If you need more details, let me know. And essentially, the email goes on to say, I just want to ask the question, how can I empower her, the practice owner, and the rest of the team to be able to stop an abusive conversation, whether on the phone or in person? Do you already have some outlines of words that could be said? I have ideas, but I wanted to ask you. I love this. And I love this not because of what is being said or done, because I absolutely hate that. Um, and I I think that this resonated so much with me. And the reason that I say that I love it is because um, this person is uh, asking for help and not in a, oh my God, all clients are assholes way that so many people tend to fall into that trap when we have mm. awful clients. Um, this person is trying to be productive and say, how can I help my team and my practice owner? And I think that that is um, so awesome and also so um, admirable and really to me showed the the relationships that are present in this practice. And so I I really loved it. But I also think it resonated with me so, so strongly because I think we all know this, this client. I think we've all dealt with this client. Um, and it's quite unfortunate because it happens to us. It feels like it's happening more and more frequently. And I don't know if that's just because we're talking about it more. And so more people are sharing their stories. And so it feels like it's happening more frequently or if it actually is, but I feel like all of us have at some point or, or, um, another in our career dealt with this kind of client. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think you, I think we're already into it here in that the first step in dealing with this is the one that you already, already nailed. It's a self-control issue and it's not, it's not fair, but the first part of this is when you have a client that's saying horrible things or is being abusive, the first step in, in handling this well is to not go to an emotional place yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's. That's not fair that you have to do that. It sucks to be the bigger person. I get it. But if we're talking about getting a good outcome and and being good at our job and being a good professional, the first thing is you can't take the bait. You can't follow suit. You mm -hmm. cannot fly to a defensive place. And when somebody's abusing us or, or being horrible, the first thing we want to do is get defensive. Sure. And the second thing we want to do is punch back. Sure. And resisting the urge to to follow them into the rage zone is the first step that we have to take and so I, I i think that you're right with that i don't know if this is getting more common i think that social media has enabled it in a significant significant way so mm -hmm. if you ask me 10 years ago versus now oh i think without a doubt this is more <laughs> common because people have an easy tool to batter businesses that don't make them happy for sure whether or not it's vet medicine or anything when they get right. upset they have a platform a bully pulpit if you will and so yeah without a doubt when you look back over the last couple of years there's no doubt in my mind that this is more common than it used to be 
as as far as this year versus last year, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think I think that's I think you just explained what I was trying to wrap my brain around, which was I I do think that social media and being able to hide behind a computer screen has given people a platform in a way that you know when when I started in in vet med and I'm sure it was the same for you. Like we had a comment box in the lobby and, and when you had a client who was really mad, sometimes you'd open up the the comment box in the lobby and it'd be stuffed full of like super negative, <laughs> negative feedback and comments. But there wasn't that, there wasn't that um, public platform the way that there is now with, with social media and the, the requirement for an online digital presence, um, for veterinary practices. And so I, th- I think that that really is probably the key to feeling like we're seeing this happen more frequently. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. It's, it's amazing. Social media, it gives people an easy way to vent. It lets them do it from behind a keyboard where they're going to say things they would not ever say directly to a person's face. And we also know the number one driver of engagement on social media is outrage. It's anger. That is the thing that makes people engage on social media. And so it's just built for people to say bad things and to draw other people into the fray. Like that, that's how it's, that's how it's constructed. And again, I'm not saying all social media is bad, but I'm saying when it comes to clients and unhappy clients, that's how this all shakes out. So, what do we actually do about abusive conversations and how do we empower our team to handle them? Steph, where, where are we going to start? Oh man. Um, I think we, di- we got to talk about the headspace. Always, always headspace first. I agree. <laughs> it's early. That was a quote. That was a question, not a statement, but look into my brain. Is it is trying it, to mind read? Yes, it is. It is the headspace. <laughs> All right. So what kind of headspace do we need to be in to deal deal with clients like this? All right, cool. So here we go. Um, whenever we start to to deal with whenever we start to deal with triggers, okay? Anything that 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 tricks people up and like triggers them. I and we've all got our triggers. And especially in stuff like this that makes you so mad. The phrase that one of my dear friends early used to say that I have taken, she got, she got it from, uh, from her parents and she would say, you can be righteous or effective, choose one. And I say that I've said that for 10 years on heavy rotation. It is one of my go-to phrases. You can be righteous or effective, choose one. And you just, you cannot get virtuous and righteous and get the best outcome. I, yeah. I just, it just doesn't happen. And so then we, we just decide, what do you want to do? Do you want to make a statement about justice? Or do you want to handle this in the most efficient, painless, effective, productive way possible? Mm-hmm. And choose. And sometimes we unsheath the flaming sword of justice. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we burn it down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And other times, and I hope the vast majority of the time, we keep the flaming sword of justice sheathed in the manager's office under the desk next to the stapler and the extra paper. (laughs) And we just 
effectively handle this. So it sucks, but sometimes just first headspace thing for me is okay, do I want justice or do I want to handle this in the easiest, most effective way possible and know that you're going to do one of those things, not both of them? Yes. I, I would say I think the the only time in a pla- place where you get to have both of those things at the same time is when the answer is that this person has stepped so far over the line that you're like, I am going to fire you on the spot because this is you've gone too far. And so then it's like I, I can have justice and I can say you can't treat us like this. There's the door. And I can also be effective because I'm getting it done. But I think that's the only time I totally agree with you that, and and I think that's why it's so common, um, at least in the clinics that I've been in, where somebody on my team comes and knocks on my door and it's like, I can't, I can't do this because they feel the need to reach for the sword of justice because it, they, it's directed at them. And it's really hard to step back and be effective in that moment because it's hard to not take it personally. Yeah. Oh, I completely agree with that. No, I completely agree. And I do, I do agree with you that the time that, that you can do both of these things to some degree is that immediate termination offense. Mm-hmm. You know, if mm-hmm. someone's coming in and shouting racist slurs, yes. then we get to unsheath the sword of justice <laughs> knowing that it's probably the best thing. But even then, we don't, you, the things that you want to say to that person. Right. You know, or, or st- we should still <laughs> let's take care of business, but at the same time, you know, the fallout. You know, you know, we we manage we manage fallout while still doing what is right, right? Because you know? you're not because you're not saying what you actually want to say, which exactly would be right. Reaching that, that, for that sort of righteousness and really just letting them have it, <laughs> right? Exactly. We use the sword of justice with uh, with restraint. Um, okay. But, so okay. So cool. So that helps me though. You can be righteous or effective. Choose one, and right. then once we once we have that, compassion first. Right. It helps me again. It's the kind of the happy afro. This is the happy part. It helps me to see these people and think maybe I'm seeing this person on their worst day. Mm-hmm. You know, it, if they are this angry. Um, a lot of times in the vet clinic, and, and I think this is really important in dealing with angry people, guys, so often the people that we deal with, they are feeling fear or they are feeling guilt because they wish they'd done something earlier or they mm-hmm. wish that they could afford better treatment or they could afford some treatment. They are feeling these fear and guilt are, are those are awful emotions to feel. Totally. And I think out of self-preservation, we, we often twist those emotions into anger and discharge them at other people. And so it helped when people are going off on me, it helps me to think this is a scared person. This is a guilty person. Mm -hmm. This is a sad person. This is a hurt person. And they are taking those emotions and trying to protect themselves by making them into rage bullets and shooting them at me. Mm-hmm. You know, a hundred percent. When I first started out in this field, um, one of my mentors uh, told me that when when someone is acting um, irrationally, 
whether it's emotionally or angrily or um, just the crazy ranty behavior, the behavior where we walk away and we're like, Ooh, that's a crazy one. Um, when someone is acting like that, it's always a cry for help in some way. There's something else going on for them. And we don't know um, what that thing is. You know, we, we have no idea. And so I think you're, you're totally right. Those emotions are really strong and it's really easy for people to suppress those emotions by letting it morph into anger and saying, I'm going to, I'm going to lash out and you don't do it intentionally. Oh no. Um, you know, so I think, I think you're totally right when you step back and think this isn't, this isn't about you. This is about them. And part of this is probably something else going on <laughs> that is turning this, um, emotion angrily at me it's a lot easier to get perspective and not just think oh they're being really mean to me you know right Right. it's probably not about you it's about them right and i i just that's a fundamental headspace shift that i think is is really helpful so um so those are the things i I like to think about with those people the other thing (laughs) That also helps is, you know, uh, I, I try to be compassionate. I try to, I try to, to give those guys the benefit of the doubt, but it's also sometimes helpful just to realize that some people are just jerks. There are some people who are just jerks. They, um, but, but yeah. realizing that can also be liberating because a lot of times we, we feel like, oh, this is a rational person who's just so furiously angry at me. And it's like, you know what? No. This person is angry at you. And later today, they'll be angry at the mailman for not coming on time. And then they'll be horribly nasty to their waitress at dinner tonight. They'll be that person who's mean to the waitress or the waiter. Mm -hmm. You know, like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. some people are just jerks. Yeah. Again, not about you. It is. It is about them. And the last group of people that we see who I I feel like are often kind of jerks when we deal with them are people that we have trained to be jerks to us. So elaborate on that. What what do you mean by that? Okay. I very often, very often have people come up to me and they say, Andy, what do you do about this guy? I said, we have this guy and he comes to our practice and he's just mean to us every time that he comes and he just complains the whole time. And nothing's good enough. And I will say to them, well, what do you do when he is mean to you? And they'll say, we give him a discount to make him happy. And I'm like, <laughs> oh. I can't imagine why he remains unhappy every time that he comes. I don't understand why this behavior would repeat itself and get more pronounced over time. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, it happens to all of us, you know, it's this thing, but we do train people. Like what happens is they come in and they complain. And Mm -hmm. so we give them free stuff. Mm -hmm. And so what are they going to do? They're going to complain again. Like Mm -hmm. people, uh, grownups are just masquerading children. We are all just children in big people clothing, (laughs) trying to fake it. Like that's who we are. This is a child. If, if, if my daughter cries and gets a popsicle, which she loves more than life itself, mm-hmm. then she's just going to 
cry, cry more. She's going to look for other <laughs> things to cry about so that she can get popsicles. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's just what she's going to do. And so it's the same thing. So sometimes there's a systemic problem and you go, did I make this person this way? And it's okay if you did, you know, and at some point though, like I said, we're all children and a lot of us are looking for boundaries. Mm-hmm. We want to know where the boundary is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for so, sure. So for those people, you have to say, okay, this is a person who complains and gets what they want. And I made them this way. And so I'm going to own that. And now I'm going to start to gently, but unflinchingly set boundaries and show them where the lines are. Yeah. And shout out to all my practice managers who are listening right now, because so much of the time we're the person that gets called upon to come in and give those boundaries because the practice owner or the, or the veterinarian or the support staff is like, I can't like, I, you know, I'll say to them, okay, well, I need you to tell them that you understand that this has been done before you understand that they've gotten a discount and you're willing to do it this last time. Um, but here's how it's going to work going forward. And they're like, I can't have that conversation. And so often we get to be the bad guys and we get to go in and, <laughs> and have that conversation and say, you know, Mrs. Smith, I completely understand that the last time this happened, we did it for, for you for free. I understand why you would expect that this time. I need to make sure that you understand that I am going to waive this today. This is a, you know, this is a one-time client service courtesy for you. I'm going to make a note in your chart and going forward, we will not be able to, um, you know, make this accommodation again and set those boundaries really, really clearly because so many of our team members really struggle with having that, that conversation and that stopping stopping that that jerk behavior. So I, ha- I have to give a shout out to to all my managers out there because it's it's hard. Nobody likes to be the bad guy. It's not fun to have to come in and do it. And I think that's where we need to we need to teach the team how to anybody on the team should be able to say exactly what I just said to to clients. But that's a hard conversation to have. It's easier for us because, you know, we we're in that role and we can kind of put on that bad guy hat and and say it a lot easier. But I think we need to think about how do we teach the whole team to think, okay, if we've trained this client to be a jerk, how do we stop this behavior? Well, I love the way that you said that. And I think a lot of times what happens is we we get this client And we look and we go, well, this is the second time that they're doing this, or this is the third time that they're doing this. Mm -hmm. This has to stop now. Mm -hmm. And so we go in and we go to battle and we say, we've done this twice before. We are not doing this anymore. I think that a lot of times the healthiest thing is to recognize this as a pattern and say, we're going to make this boundary here. Mm -hmm. And you say, I will do this for you, Mm -hmm. but this is the last time that I'm Mm -hmm. going to do it for you. And then it's not. Hey, I know that you have that this has happened before, and but today is different, and you and me are going to have a showdown <laughs> in this room. You're still right. giving them what they want this time, but you right. are closing the door for the next time. And mm-hmm. I, I, I just want to say, I think a lot of times we don't think about that. We say, I either give them what they want, and then they will continue to walk on me forever. And this will always be a problem. And then they'll tell their friends and then more (laughs) of their friends will come in and then everybody's going to crap on me all the time. And I'm going to give everything (laughs) away. I'm going to go out of business. I'm going to live in a van in the forest. (laughs) My children will eat bugs. And we just go, (laughs) 
just go down the path of despair or we, or so so we either do that and we go down the path of despair and we feel terrible or we do that we go down the path of despair and we say not today satan and we <laughs> draw the sword of justice again uh-huh. and we give them nothing i give uh-huh. you nothing uh-huh. today i will stand my ground and the as the buddhists say the middle path is often the best mm-hmm. and that is i will deal with this today in a productive and kind way and i will also s- close the door right for this to continue to be an issue in the future yeah. and next time it comes up i will say we discussed this and it is in your chart and there's a note that we had this conversation mm-hmm. and this is not going to happen anymore mm-hmm. and so anyway i th- i think that headspace wise this is not a battle for your soul you know, it, it mm-hmm. doesn't have to be. And so mm-hmm. none of this really matters all that much. And the last part of the headspace is you deserve respect. You, you deserve to be respected. And I think a lot of ways we don't get that respect by in what we say. We get that respect in how we act and the boundaries that we set. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think a lot of times people say, you you need to respect me or you you don't treat me this way. And I understand that. I think the more effective way is to let their anger kind of roll off and say, this is how I can help you. And this is how I cannot help you. Please let me know what you would like to do. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, those are the boundaries that ultimately do get you respect. And if they refuse to give you that respect, then, then they're going to have to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so where are your lines, right? Where, where are, when do we go into the these types of um of of abuse conversation tactics like when do we say this conversation is not okay anymore mm-hmm. this conversation mm-hmm. yeah it's not okay this is as we heard in our in our uh, example question this is this is borderline blackmail or <laughs> this is abuse so so w- what are some things that you how do you how do you know how do you know if this person is legitimately has a legitimate complaint and they are angry or if this person is over the line. And I think that that is hard sometimes in the moment, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So flags that we look for to say, Ooh, that's the line. And now we're over it. Um, so I think um, like, I think there's situational this is an this is an issue, and then we have our people who are who are being trained to be jerks, whether we're doing it or they just are that person. Um, and so, because we were just talking about those people, that's where my head is. And I think for me, with those people, it's um, when we do a morning stand up and we talk about who's coming in for the day, and it's when we get to that client and everybody's like, "Oh, that client is coming in today," like that dread about that client coming in or the doctors being like, God, I, I don't like, I can't handle that client. They're so mean. It's, it's that, um, just overwhelming feeling of like, this is a repeat offender. This is, this is someone that either we have trained to be that way or they are just that person. Um, that for me is kind of the red flag when it's, when it's not just one person. Cause like, look, we all have clients that, that we struggle with. There are clients that I'm like, I, I cannot, 
I just can't with this person, but other people on my team can handle that person. No problem. And it's a fantastic relationship. So sometimes it's a, it's a one-off, but when multiple people on my team are like, Oh God, I, why, who let Mrs. Smith on the schedule? Like that was, you know, when that kind of talk starts, that for me is a, is a big red flag with those people. Yeah, I, I agree. When multiple people are, disappointed this person is coming in Mm -hmm. that that's that's an issue so looking at how people respond before the person arrives their anticipation that's Mm -hmm. a sign of a of a track record there are challenging clients there are i mean let's be honest you know i look at the schedule sometimes and i see a client and go oh this Mm -hmm. is going to take forever (laughs) or i there are clients that give me anxiety you know there are clients that come and they are um they are very direct or they are they are just a difficult client who demands, you know, to be, mm-hmm. <laughs> nobody puts baby in a corner. Like mm-hmm. that's, it's that client and they come and they've been, and they've been reading online and you know, they've been reading online and they are going to ask, is there a thimerosal in this vaccine? And you are going <laughs> to have to answer that question and go into that discussion. And right. that's just the way it is. There's, those clients are bad. They're, they're caring clients that mm-hmm. are trying to do right. And so separating out the, this is a challenging client from this is an abusive client. Mm-hmm. You, you you listen to what people say and how they say it. Mm-hmm. Is the staff, is the staff apprehensive because this, this person is difficult or are they abusive or are they, are they apprehensive because this person is nasty? Mm-hmm. I look, I look a lot at the fallout as well. Mm-hmm. If, if my staff is crying after someone leaves, you know, mm-hmm. if they're, um, if there's just general cleanup because of, you know, the front desk is, is upset and you've seen this in the clinic, you know, because, you know, poor Lauren just gets demolished and mistreated and she's upset. And the rest of the front desk is kind of sort of talking to her and things like that. That's mm-hmm. not okay. Mm-hmm. You, that, that's a, that's a big flag. Lauren, for example, is wonderful with angry clients and she's great. The fact that she would be affected by this, I go, this is outside the norm. And so I, I don't want to blow that off, but I look a lot at, at fallout. Mm-hmm. I look for the big obvious flags for me, you know, uh, racial comments, homophobic comments, mm-hmm. uh, blackmail stuff, threats, mm-hmm. any sort of threat. Um, that, that stuff is not okay. That's a pretty hard line. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of a zero tolerance thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, um, <laughs> I, I think those ones are, are big. And I think it's, oh, I think it's, oh, not only is it okay, but I, I think more of us should have a zero tolerance policy for some of these things. Like the, the two that you just talked about are huge for me. Um, I was actually just (laughs) talking to our friend, Jen Galvin yesterday, and she was telling me about an incident where she had to immediately terminate a client because the client was in the room and was using racial slurs and, um, very, obnoxious, um, inappropriate, uh, statements and was expecting that to, to, um, be covered up because he's, he's a guy and he's from the South. And those are just things that we say. And she's like, I understand that that may be how you feel, but we can't accept that in our practice. I, I, I really think you would be happier somewhere else. And I think so many of us, um, struggle with having those hard conversations and we tend to, to brush those, off a little bit more than sometimes we should. And the staff crying is a really big one for me. Like that is a huge trigger. I think um, that is one where I have zero tolerance. And 
what that means is not necessarily that I'm going to go into a room and I'm going to fire that client or I'm going to get on the phone and I'm going to fire that client. But, um, you know, a few weeks ago, we had a situation where one of my associates came and got me and she was just like, you know, this Courtney, who's one of our assistants, who's just the sweetest thing ever. And she's the kind of person where someone could be a difficult client and she's just so kind that like, you can't not love her. Right. Mm -hmm. And our associate came and got me and was like, she's in the hallway crying and I don't know what to do because this client is being so mean. And I was like, no, 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 no. (laughs) That's not how this works here. And so I went and I heard, you know, I heard the associate's story and I heard Courtney's story. And then I went in and I kind of went in a little bit guns blazing because I was really mad. I was like, you don't get to make my team cry. Like, that's not okay with me. And, I, you know, the client was one of those clients like you described. And she was um, very direct and very type A and like, this is what I want. This is how I want it. And ultimately what happened was I, it took me a little bit to kind of settle and get past the fact that I am mad that you made my team cry. And so I was, I I had a moment where I was like, I want to reach for the sword of justice and be like, Mm -hmm. I cannot tolerate this, get out of my clinic. But really when we started talking about it, she recognized that the behavior was not okay. And she made some comments that made me feel like this is a rational person having a little bit of an irrational day. And so I was like, I just, as long as we can be on the same page and you understand that I cannot tolerate this kind of behavior moving forward, I am absolutely okay continuing this relationship, but I need you to understand that this is not acceptable moving forward. And I came out of the room and I was a little nervous about how the team would feel about it. Cause I was like, you know, this is not okay. I will not tolerate clients making the team cry. And, and when I told them they were like, okay, I can kind of see that. Like, I don't necessarily want to be the one to have to deal with her. But at the same time, like when we started the appointment, she was fine. And so maybe it really was just someone having a bad day. But the team crying one is just a, it's a big one for me. Yeah. The the final line for me is, it's a math problem, right? It's a, it's a math equation. Oh, it's too early for math. Yeah. <laughs> If the fallout, right, and I'm talking about the total fallout, like mm-hmm. the financial, the, you know, the, the staff stress, the personal stress, mm-hmm. if the fallout of firing this client is less than the fallout of going forward with this client, then it's time for this client to go. Yep. And people, you know, people always say that they're like, but Andy, you know, if I fire this client, well, they're going to write a one-star review on Yelp and they're going to, you know, what if they're, what if they're going to go in the Facebook group and they're going to say bad things I'm like, yep, that's a possibility. Yeah. That is definitely a possible. We're going to do what we can to minimize that, but that is a possibility. Knowing that that's a possibility. If you still think that that's better than dealing with this person multiple times a year, mm-hmm. then that's what we need to do. Mm-hmm. You know, but for me, it really is that math of pick your poison. Mm-hmm. Do we do we keep taking in this and keep dealing with this person or do we let them go? And, and again, the middle path is often right. And that's having that conversation that you had that said, we want to keep seeing you, but this behavior is not acceptable. Mm-hmm. So I guess. I guess my question is, um, our listener was like, look, I recognize that this behavior is abusive, which sometimes is hard. Like sometimes we put the blinders on and we don't see that the behavior is abusive. But this person was like, yes, this is clearly abusive behavior. And and the real question was, 
how do I, how do I stop it? Like, how do I teach the team and empower them to feel like they can stop the abusive conversation? What, what words do you use? How do you deal with that? Cause I, I find that that is often the hardest part for me as a, as a leader and as a teacher to teach the rest of the team. Right. Which is why I said most of the time I'm the one who gets called on to go in and have those, those hard conversations. Cause they are really hard to have. So yeah. how do you do it? So practice, practice, practice. Uh, I like practice for angry clients. Mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's just something that should be on the books and we should have clinic meetings and, you know, maybe half day sort of workshops. And I think we've walked through this a couple of times and how we, and how we do, um, how we do role play. We don't call it role play. Mm -hmm. We call it practicing what we're going to say. Um, but it, it's, it's talking about, it's talking about real world events. So for our listener, this thing just happened. It's the perfect time to have this conversation. Not, not right now when everybody's fired up, but in a day or two or maybe next week, it's say, hey guys, here's a real thing that happened. This mm -hmm. is not theoretical. It's not some thing that comes down from corporate. This is a thing that happened here up there in the front lobby. You can see it from where we're sitting, mm -hmm. right? And so let's talk about that thing. And then group discussion about how do you feel about this? Mm -hmm. What are some things that, um, that we should remember? What are things, what, what points does the patterner have? Is anything that they're saying right? What are, what are some points for us to remember and get that conversation going? Okay. Mm -hmm. And then it's, and then it's training and, um, the things that I like to teach. Okay. So I got, I got, um, I got four, I got four of them and, and let me, let me say right here, there's two categories, there's categories for me. There's low grade and there's high grade. Okay. And so low grade is the stuff where this client is upset and they've crossed the line, but I can see why they're upset. I know that they're emotional. You know, I, I'm trying to kind of, to kind of move past it. Um, that's, that's sort of the low grade of they cross the line. I'm going to try to move them back onto the right side of the line. And then I'm going to go on with my life. Um, okay. so four things for the low grade. Number one is let it go. You know, sometimes they say things, I go, this person has crossed the line. I'm not going to respond. I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm going to pretend that I did not hear what they said. Like that, that's mm -hmm. it. I'm not going to acknowledge it. I'm just going to pretend that they didn't say it mm -hmm. and just go forward. And it is funny. A lot of times once someone says something and you ignore it and sort of go on, a lot of times they, they, they take a step back. They go, Oh, did I say that? That, mm. um, and a lot of times there's instant regret on their part. And so mm -hmm. just pretending that you did not hear it, that mm -hmm. can be a very effective strategy. I think of that a lot. If people make a threat, they're like, if you don't do this, I'm going to do whatever. And I, I'm not taking the bait. I'm not rising to it. I just, you know, I'm going to go on and just honest to God, pretend I didn't hear. Mm -hmm. So let it, let it go. Pretend you didn't hear it. Number one. All right. The feedback model that we talk about a lot with staff, there's a truncated version, um, that, that I kind of use. This is, this is the Oprah Winfrey model. When you blank, I feel blank, right? When you say things like that, I feel, I feel attacked. Or mm -hmm. when you say things like that, I, 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 it's hurtful to me mm -hmm. and it's, and it don't, don't linger on it. Don't expect an apology, but that's, if you don't do this, I'm going to tell all of my friends about it. When you make statements about 
things like posting in Facebook groups, it makes me feel uh, attacked or it makes mm-hmm. me feel um, trapped or threatened. Mm-hmm. I stay away from the trigger words, right? I don't like to say abuse or abusive. I don't like to, to, to say um, uh, it makes me feel uh, assaulted. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it makes me feel abused. Uh, yeah. Uh, there are certain words that, that people feel shame if you say them. And mm-hmm. so I try to stay away from that. It makes me th- feel threatened. I like mm-hmm. that. It makes me feel trapped. I like mm-hmm. that. Those mm-hmm. are, those are the types of words that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, but w- when you say that you're going to, when you say you're going to lose it, it makes me feel threatened. Mm hmm. And that's just clear communication. Mm-hmm. And, and again, this is low grade. This is they've stepped over the line. I'm not trying to, to, to show down here. I, I don't, I'm not, I'm just starting to feel a little uncomfortable. So I'm just going to say, when you say that, I feel threatened. And it's not when you say that you're threatening me. Mm-hmm. It's when you say that, I, I feel, I feel a bit threatened. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would like to move past that. Mm-hmm. And so I like that, that phrase a lot too of, I would like to move past this and it's saying, I'm not asking you to apologize. Let's just start a new paragraph mm-hmm. and go forward. Mm-hmm. So that's number two. When you blank, I feel blank. Right. Number three is the old feel felt found. And I teach this a lot for disagreeing with people. So feel felt found. Um, it sounds like this. So, so a client says something that you don't agree with. The, um, this, the fact that this, that medicine, that you, the fact that you charge this is offensive, right? Mm-hmm. How dare you charge this? If you really cared you would, uh, about pets, you would, you would help me on this bill. You do this for free. Mm-hmm. And so I like to use the tool feel felt found. So here's how it works. Um, I start broad and essentially what I'm going to say is lots of people feel like you do. I have felt like you do. What I have found since then is blank. And so I'm building some commonality. I'm trying to get on the page. I'm trying to make them feel like they're not out um, alone, like Mm -hmm. they're not weird, like they're not being ostracized, like they're being heard, like I empathize. And so in the case I just gave, what I would say is, you know, a lot of people really struggle with the cost of of veterinary medicine. I struggle with the cost of medicine for myself and my family. Mm -hmm. I I felt that that pinch of of the cost of of medicine. Mm -hmm. What I found is that in order for us to, to be able to do the services that we need to do using the drugs that we have, you know, paying our staff, using our, the medical equipment that we have to buy, this is what the price really has to be. Mm-hmm. Now, I totally understand where you're coming from. So that's feel felt found. Lots of people feel that the cost of medicine is, is shockingly high. Mm-hmm. I have felt that. For my own family, I, I look at this estimate, honestly, I, I, see, I see what you're saying. I totally do. What mm-hmm. I have found is, as a doctor, for us just to provide these services, this is really what it costs us. Like, this is what it costs. And so I am trying to get on the same table as, or same side of the table as them. So mm-hmm. not ostracizing them. You and me, are, we agree that the price is, is, is it's challenging. Mm-hmm. This is where we are. So that's number three is feel felt found. And the last thing is the broken record defense. And this is when somebody keeps coming after you and keeps coming after you. And at some point you go to broken record defense, which is you make your statement, you say what you believe and you repeat it. 
and you don't get drawn off topic. You don't get, um, you don't get out in the weeds. You don't discuss things in a way that's going to give the person more information that they can use to beat you with. Right. Or that they can use to drag this out. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I am not going to get into a line by line discussion of the price mm-hmm. of medicine, mm-hmm. because the more I talk about this, the more they're going to say, well, why do we have to do this? And why do we have to do that? And, and explain to me this and justify to me that. Listen, this is the plan that I think is best for your pet. And I feel that if we do less than this, we are going to be misusing your money. And I don't think that we're going to get a good outcome. And they'll go, yeah, but what about blah, 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 blah. And I go, you know, I totally understand. I really feel like this is the minimum standard that we can do to get a good outcome for your pet. And I, I really think if we do less than this, we are not going to get a good outcome and we're going to spend the money or we're going to waste the money that we do spend. Mm-hmm. And I just circle back to it again and again and again and again. So this can be really good when you deal with someone who, um, who is very upset and, and wants to, and they've pushed and you've explained yourself and explained yourself ultimately fall back to the broken record defense. Um, this is one, if you ever end up in a, um, in a public shaming event, I hate to say if there's something that happens, uh, someone posts online and they tell a story about something horrible that happened at your practice. We definitely want to practice the broken record defense with our front desk because when people call and let's say that they are an animal rights activist that is very angry about something that may not have happened at all the way it was depicted online, mm-hmm. um, your front desk staff does not have time uh, to explain the whole situation to every random person who's calling from Facebook. You need to figure out what your talking points are. And just say, these are these are our points, or this is the statement that we're making. And just do not let people draw you off of those points. That's mm-hmm. the broken record defense. Mm-hmm. I like that because I think um, the feel, felt, found really, um, it, it like you said, it, it gets you on their side of the table. But it, it, makes, it makes you feel like you're a team with them without changing how you feel or, or what you're saying, which is, which is really important. And I think the broken record one is, is actually a really, um, really common one that I use. And part of it is because when people are in a a state like that, or people are particularly when clients are really worked up, um, if they're not just being very calmly abusive, if they, if they are worked up, sometimes they don't even hear what you're saying. Like you literally have to repeat yourself four or five times before all of a sudden it's like, oh, did you just really say that? Like they they have not heard a word that you were sharing with them. And so I think that's an important part of, of the process for sure. Not just because you're not letting them drag you out into the weeds, but also because when you're seeing red, they're not hearing what you're saying. Right. You right. can't just say it once and expect them to actually listen. It's not going to happen. You've got some great phrases that you use to kind of bring people down from that from that statement or like from that state. You know, when they're super fired up, you you empathize well. You've got some things that kind of kind of almost trip them up or kind of get them to slow down a bit. Yeah. So I I use the I use um you you brought it up when you were talking about the feedback model. I I use the um 
the SBI approach, which is the situation, behavior, and impact. And so for me, I um, usually start with being very specific about the situation. So, you know, when, when you, you know, if you're on the phone with a client, Mrs. Smith, when you just said that if we didn't do this for free, that you were going to take care of the situation for your pet yourself at home. Then I have very clearly laid out the situation, what just happened. Mm-hmm. And then I and then I talk about how how did that make me feel? What was the um what was the what was the behavior part? So like what is she doing that is triggering you? And like just like you said, what um what how did that make you feel like the I have felt statement. So when you say that, it makes me really worried for Fluffy because I know that this is something that we can, you know, that we can address. I don't feel like you're willing to work with me. And so then you give the impact. If you cannot um, be an active participant in the care for Fluffy here at our clinic, then I think that you would be better off being um, served by another veterinary clinic because I don't think we can provide you the kind of care that that um, you or that Fluffy deserves. So it's a it's a three part model, and and the first part is really being specific and clear about what happened and when it happened. The middle part is about painting the picture for them and being really specific about. Um, giving them a a picture of what what is happening and why it's happening for you so talking about the tone of voice that they're using that's unacceptable or the language that they're using that is unacceptable and sometimes it takes us going into a place where we are uncomfortable especially if we're talking about a client that is using racial or homophobic slurs um you know or threatening us or blackmailing us Repeating back what they're saying to us can be really hard, but it's really important to very clearly paint that picture for them. And then the third piece is is that you have to make the statement about what do you need to move forward. So either this is unacceptable and this is what the outcome is going to be. And sometimes when we're dealing with blackmailers, like that's it. The, The line in the sand has been drawn. It's a red flag thing. And I can say, I cannot tolerate this. But sometimes it's like, um, what what I was telling the the story about going into the exam room with the client who made um, my poor Courtney cry. It's like, okay, I understand that I cannot I cannot accept this behavior in the future. Going forward, this is the, my expectation for how you will treat my doctors and my team. And then very clearly laying out what the expectation is moving forward. Yeah, no, I think I think that's great. You want to talk about some of the. Um some non-defensive communication phrases and and styles to kind of bring people to these conversations. Yeah. I, um, I, I like that. I think, um, I think I usually start with, um, I usually start with what happened. Like, tell me what happened. I, I would like to, I would like to hear, hear your story. Um, I think that you have to start it out by empathizing with them. So um, I can see that you're upset. I can see that this makes you really angry. I hear the frustration in your voice. I, I am sorry that that is how that made you feel. You know, I, I have said this before. It's never wrong to apologize for the impact that something has on someone. And often when we're dealing with a client that is in that red zone, if you can make them feel heard and you can make them, 
feel like you are on their side with an apology. It's not that I'm apologizing for what necessarily what happened or I'm accepting right or wrong. It's just, I'm sorry that this is how this impacted you. This is how you, how it made you feel, or I'm sorry that you're, you know, I'm sorry that you're upset or frustrated. I really want to help you here. And I think that that's the second part. You have to empathize with them. You have to acknowledge how they're feeling and then, um, you want to make them feel like you're on their side, right? Right. So phrases that I like a lot. Um, I can see that you're upset. I understand that you're frustrated. I'm sorry that you're angry. I can understand how you might see it that way. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about this when you feel calmer. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say um, I'm going to do my very best to help you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You seem really upset. Would you prefer to continue this conversation through email? Mm-hmm. You know that. Yeah. I mean that those then again. That's I don't do that for angry clients, but that's when we're starting to get to the point where this is coming off the rail. Angry client. I like to talk to people on the phone. I don't want to push them back to email because that uh, encourages them to to vent other places, things like that. But if they're getting yeah. abusive, then then sometimes this is not the right medium to have the conversation. You know, on the well, phone. and I think the reason that the reason that I I use that one is because when I have a client, particularly if I'm talking to them on the phone and they are being outright abusive, um, sometimes getting the paper trail is the most helpful thing that I can do. It's right. like you know, I I I hear this. I don't think that either of us um, talking about this on the phone right now is going to be productive. Would you be okay if we continued this conversation by email? Um, then we both have time to uh, read and process where where what is being said and how it is being said. Because sometimes you need to be able to create that um, that paper trail or have that that witness. Um, you know, sometimes it's maybe it's not email. Sometimes it's you know, Mrs. Smith, I can, I can see that you're really, really angry. Um, I, I, would you be okay if I have, you know, our medical director get on the phone because I, I really feel like she needs to be a part of this conversation. Sometimes it's bringing in that second person so Mm -hmm. that you, you have the witness and you have the, the, the paper trail, um, in, in person. Cause sometimes that's, that's crucial to the whole, this is abusive we're going to throw up a flag. We're going to call a timeout and we're going to say, we absolutely cannot accept this behavior and we cannot continue the client relationship going forward. It's also interesting how an audience changes the dynamic. You know, I say having oh, another person, sure. there's things that people will say to you on the phone, but then if there's someone else on the phone, they're like, well, I'm not going to say this in front of a stranger. And it's, I don't know why people feel that way, but good, you know, good. If there's mm-hmm. something that you would not say you would like to say to this person you're mad at, but you wouldn't say it in front of someone else. That's telling. So. And and I think that there's two that I particularly use with my CSR team. And it's they're the hardest ones for everybody to get comfortable with because they feel like the, the what has been said to me is I feel like I'm doing customer service wrong if I say something like this. And those those would be um, you know, I'm I'm sorry that you're so upset. I'm sorry that you're so angry. Would you like me to call you back when you're feeling a little calmer? 
It is not wrong to call out their behavior and call out, especially if you use specifics, like when you're able to speak in a tone or in a volume that is more acceptable. If they are being abusive, it is absolutely okay to offer to continue the conversation in another time and space when they can work with you. But the other thing that I teach my teach my team is Sometimes you have to call a spade a spade and say, you know, I, I'm I'm sorry, um, Mrs. Smith, but if you continue to use language like this, I will be forced to end this call. And and it is okay to hang up on them. And my CSRs always look at me and are like, oh, my God, or, did you just tell me I can hang up on somebody? The answer is yes. Yeah. If someone is ranting and raving at you and they're cursing at you, it's the same at the front desk. It is absolutely okay to say, I cannot tolerate this behavior. When when one of those red flag triggers like this is unacceptable, zero tolerance, when one of those things occurs, um, an abusive uh, Foul language is included in that for me. If you have a client who is just dropping F-bombs at your CSRs nonstop, I am absolutely okay with saying, I cannot tolerate that that behavior at the front desk. I need to ask you to leave or to say, I am going to hang up right now. And and that is 100% okay. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And and that's that really hits on the issue I brought up earlier when I said, you know, you deserve to be respected and mm-hmm. you earn respect in your actions. And at some point you say, I'm not okay with you talking to me like this and I'm going to end this call if, uh, if you continue to use this language mm-hmm. and just say what you need and say what your boundary is and then hang up, you know, that, that's, that really is it. And again, this is not flippant stuff. You know, we're not talking about this. Uh, this should not be a regular thing. Right. It should not be. <laughs> I, I had a, I had a dentist, I had a dentist one time and, um, I, I called and I am not an aggressive person at all or any way. And I remember I wasn't even angry about anything, but I just, I had questions about why dental radiographs were required like twice in a year. And I was just asking like, oh, I, so we just had these. I don't understand why, you know, why we do this. Mm-hmm. And she was like, sir, at this point, we're just going to ask you to transfer out. And I was like, well, we, we've talked for like two minutes and I'm not even upset. And she's like, yeah, but I think you, we need to have you transfer out. And I, I still remember, I was like, this is the, str- I'm getting fired. This is the weirdest thing. And I promise you, I honestly was not upset. I did not really care. I just wanted to understand, but mm-hmm. I don't know what this person had been told, but it very much was like, if, 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 they, if the client does not comply a hundred percent immediately, then, then, then fire them. And I, and so I, that always pops into my mind of, I don't want to overuse this, obviously. We're talking about, you know, about people who are pushing, pushing serious buttons here. But, yeah. but it should be in your toolbox. Mm-hmm, for sure. Let's talk about the high grades and we'll, we'll wrap this up. So when people cross the line and they continue to cross the line or they, they really go over or they have a history of crossing the line, you know, they... They had, this is the third conversation over the course of a year right. that we're having and they're pushing through. So that changes things a little bit. The big stuff that I want to say is if you have this client, document, 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 and just get it, get it down because you don't know where this is going to go, but document what they said, document the use of foul language, document any threats, just document all of those things. Mm-hmm. And there's this existential idea of 
who knows where this is going to go and I want to be covered. But the much more real and tangible idea is that if I fire this client or if I decide to have a conversation with this client about their behavior, I want to speak in specifics. Yes. I don't want to say you were abusive when we talked last week. Right. I want to say you said if you don't blank, then I will blank. Mm-hmm. And you called me these names. Mm-hmm. You know? A hundred percent. That's huge for me. And I feel like my team gets getting probably gets annoyed with me for sounding like a broken record. But for me, um, the interactions with client and client communication being in the chart is just as important as the medical information being in the chart, because if it's not in the chart, it didn't happen. And I can be so much more of an effective manager and I can have their back and I can help them with clients like this when the tools are in the toolbox. And if they're not in the medical record, you're leaving me with no tools to help you because then I'm stuck going, well, it sounds like um, you were angry or you were aggressive or, but I don't like telling someone that they sound like they were they were angry or that they said it sounded like they were acting aggressively what does that actually mean i cannot paint them a picture but when i have the specifics in the chart and i can say well it looks like when you were here this is exactly what you said to you know uh jessica at the front desk um that is a whole different conversation yeah i agree that also helps you get um that also helps you get some perspective because you can show your your doctor or your friend or your manager and you say this is what the person said to me and see what they say and if they're like that is wildly unacceptable you know it's it's a good way to get validation of the scenery it's hard when you're on the phone and you're like oh they said terrible things and i'm like how terrible were they and you were like i it's a seven out of (laughs) ten like i you know i don't i don't know i don't i don't know i don't know you know yeah but this this helps make it real And, and, and beyond that, we use that stuff to fire that client. You know, if this is, this is high grade abuse stuff, we got to fire the client. I think we have a, we have a podcast episode, I think called how to fire, how to fire a client. (laughs) Yeah. So we, we definitely break it down. The big thing for me is just to be clear, you can, um, you can go straight to it and say, we're not going to be able to serve you anymore. And here's why, and here are the examples, or I can send you an email with, with the specific reasons you can do that. You can definitely call them and say, this is your one and only warning. And this last visit was not acceptable. And if you want to leave now, that's fine. And we will help you find another vet. But just know that this, this is not going, this cannot happen again. Mm-hmm. And it, it is amazing how often people will get in line. Mm-hmm. We are all children masquerading as adults. Mm-hmm. And we want to know where the boundaries are. And anyone who... I always love to ask people who here has fired a client and everyone will raise their hand. And I say, who here has had that client beg, has had a client beg to come back. And the same people all raise their hands because most times when you show people the boundary, Mm -hmm. they didn't mean to cross it and Mm -hmm. and they will get back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think that, um, you know, I, I like to, tell the clients it's really important to me that you be happy and it's clear that you're you're not happy here um whether it's that you're not happy with the care or like this client you know um in this example was was being abusive and was um calling the staff incompetent that to me i can say that i can say it is very clear to me that you you don't feel like you're getting the care that you need for your pet because you feel that we are incompetent i really need you to feel like you're getting 
the care, um, high quality care for your pet, I absolutely would be happy to send your records to another clinic where you feel like that is possible. Cause then you're making it about them and you're making it about their pet. And you're also telling them what you're going to do moving forward because you can ask them if they want to go somewhere or you can tell them that they're going to go somewhere. But those two things are different and you do not want to leave the door open by asking them if they would like to go somewhere else. If what you really mean to do is say you are fired and so I think yes. if you're in, if you're in that situation, I think it's really important to um, you know <laughs> listen to the episode about flying, firing clients because those are two very very different things. Right. Do not ask people questions if you're not willing to honor their response. So right. if you say, "Would you like to go somewhere else?" and they say no, <laughs> you can't <laughs> then be like, "Well, too bad." <laughs> Right. Huzzah! You're right. Like it doesn't work that way. Right. So don't ask them. And same thing with your employees. Don't ask them if if you don't want to hear their answer. Yes. Hundred so, percent. Anyway. Well, that's all I got, Steph. Any final words? Nope. I I I hope this helped. Yes, me too. Final words. Well, thanks a lot for doing it with me, and yeah. we'll uh, we'll talk again soon. Sounds good. Have a good day, Andy. All right. You too. See you later. Bye. And that is our episode. Guys, I hope you found it useful. I hope it was helpful. As always, if you have any questions that I and or Stephanie might tackle for you, please let us know. Shoot us an email. The email address is podcast at unchartedvet.com. That's podcast at unchartedvet.com. Until we speak again, have a great week. <laughs>